Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on in the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends, welcome to level 119 of Laugh It Up Fuzzball. And hey, it's late Monday night, which means this is probably going up early, early Tuesday morning and the Wookiee is behind. Wow, actually, I almost sort of missed a week, but we're not going to count it because I did put up a bonus episode last week knowing full well that the weekend was going to be chock full of working on homework and other stuff. So sorry. Yeah, grad school is really kicking my butt. But uh, without further ado, let's just get into... Uh, into the episode, we're going to start with just a little bit of fuzzy thoughts. Yeah, I didn't didn't actually mention it, but uh, I rewatched Blade and Blade Two. Yeah, courtesy of Netflix. I think you could even watch Blade Three if you're so inclined. I didn't feel myself going that crazy, but I did. I did find myself like, hey, let me watch them. I was I was sort of like working on homework and just wanted something in the background. But you know, the the effects may not hold up, but both of those movies are really enjoyable. And, uh, I mean, these movies predate Black Panther with an African-American hero on screen, Wesley Snipes, doing his, his job with Blade. I haven't read that many Blade comics, and I'm, I'm not sure how closely they are to the source material, but those are fun. If you really, really just want to enjoy yourself in the in the action movies of, uh, like, the 2000s, then, yeah, watch some Blade and Blade 2. Check it out with Whistler and Blade. And uh, and see the goodness. I think uh, the sec. I think Blade Two is actually a better, better movie. But man, I just enjoy him. But that Club Blood opening of the first Blade, and you know, just just different things. You can see uh, see uh, Hellboy. I can't think of the actor's name right now, but playing a bad guy, and of course uh, Daryl Dixon, before he was in uh, Walking Dead. And I should know the actor's names, but um, Norman Reedus is actually Daryl Dixon, and I'm still drawing a blank about uh about ron perlman there you go i knew it was somewhere in my noggin without me actually having to go to my phone to look it up but you know they they're they're good movies and i'm just like a shouting out geek wise that they're on netflix check them out if you do and you see me tell me or just drop a comment or whatever and let me know what you think i also wanted to just drop a, a shout out to an artist that uh, i just discovered i went to this local shop called geeky mamas there's one in anaheim at their garden place and then there's one at the buena park mall i realize that there's might be listeners hopefully there are listeners that aren't from the southern california area hey how are you in saskatchewan or or <laughs> amity new york or wherever the heck it is you're listening if, if you are listening from outside california drop me a comment join the laugh at a fuzzballs facebook group let me know I'd be really, really excited. I know uh, sometimes Sam listens from England, so sometimes there is a, a British uh, listener. Shout out to Sam if you're listening, and uh, yeah, and all my friends. You know, all you know who you are: the Ryan's and the Blue Lightnings and the Danny the Deuces of the world and the other Daniel and I already said Ryan and Terry and Arvin and everybody, everybody who listens. Hey, hi, howdy. Hey, Jerry, if you're listening, shout out to Jerry. Jerry always likes when he gets a little name drop. Buddy from high school, from the way back. Mr. Peabody's way back machine. Man, so much goodness in high school. But uh, getting to my point, <laughs> this artist, um, the name of the website is superemofriends.com. 
and uh, it's the Gallery of Grief. And he just does these little caricatures of, of superheroes and other characters being uh, being sad. <laughs> and with, with the name of the artist is Jay Salvador. And uh, man, this stuff, it'll, it'll pull on the heartstrings. But I, I just think they're wonderful. Uh, they're, they're a little pricey. But uh, yeah, I think, um, I think they're really great. There's some really funny stuff. Um, check out superemofriends.com. There's images you can find online. We know like sad, sad Link saying I'm not Zelda and sad Power Man Luke Cage saying no one's hiring and a bunch more. I don't want to spoil them all for you. <laughs> There's one that says Time to Grow Up that features a character which just really strikes home. But uh, yeah, superemofriends.com. It's super cool. And then I guess the last like fuzzy thoughts, I guess this sort of transitions into geek news, but not really, is... Just the asshats that are Army Hammer of the the bomb didn't do well Lone Ranger movie, and then Bill Maher, who I actually like comedy of, but uh, you know, there's there's lots of people in the world that say stuff that that isn't so great, and uh, in this case, this this is actually it. You know, Bill Maher uses the death of Stanley. I read this after we me uh, Blue and uh, Dark John actually recorded the Stanley episode, but basically. You know, here's, I'll quote him. He said, the guy who created Spider-Man and the Hulk has died and America's in mourning. Deep, deep mourning for a man who inspired millions to, I don't know, watch a movie, I guess. And and he said they pretended comic books were actually sophisticated literature and then basically declared anybody that likes comic books as uh, being responsible for hiring or not hiring. We didn't hire him because otherwise it'd be like a show. I'd be like, you're fired. You're fucking fired. But for, you know, voting in the current president of the United States, you know what, Bill Maher? <laughs> Fuck you, sir. That's uh, that's what I have to say. You're an asset. And I don't know that I'm going to be supporting stuff like that's really, I don't know, man, I didn't really support you anyway, so no big loss and you don't really give a fuck about me. But uh, yeah, just to let you know, Bill Maher is an asshat who uh, basically uh, made fun of people that read comic books and uh, you completely missed the point. And uh, yeah, Stanley influenced a lot of people and comic books actually are sophisticated literature sometimes. Sometimes they're just dumb. Sometimes they can be just like a cartoon that's dick and fart jokes, but sometimes there's, there's actually a lot to them and uh Maybe, maybe you should, you kind of struck me as a guy who might have been picked on as a kid. I thought I had some geek affinity for you, but I guess not. I guess you're just the bully in the schoolyard. And uh, now that you have privilege and a platform, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck you, Bill Maher. <laughs> and, and I'm not, I'm not going to go on social media or anything and I'm going to forget about it probably. But yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an asshat. And, uh, well, <laughs> well, not as bad. Army Hammer sort of made an asshat of himself too. I actually have the tweet somewhere here. So uh, basically, he went on the Twitter, and uh, here, let's see what he said. I got a, I took a screenshot of it, but so touched by all the celebrities posting pictures of themselves with Stan Lee, no better way to commemorate an absolute legend than putting up a picture of yourself. And I, I think I get it. I think he actually was trying to say that the point is a man passing, not us. Uh, but he did piss off a lot of people, including one Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who. Uh, in, in characteristic, Jeffrey Dean Morganess and Negan is Rick. Looks like you found a way to use others' way of mourning and their memories to draw some attention to yourself. You sound like a real asshat, Rick. <laughs> and I don't know. That's not the best Negan impersonation, but uh. Yeah, and that's why I call him asshats because Jeffrey Dean Morgan called him an asshat. I think that word's great, and I don't use it enough, and I'm bringing it back. Bringing it back into my lexicon. So there we go. 
uh, read more if you want to know more about the ass hattery. We'll get in just to the geek news, I guess. We'll we'll transition beyond the F. Stanley and Army Hammer. Ugh, you should use your words better. Well, we got some Star Wars news. Uh, Lucasfilm has trademarked uh, Star Wars Galaxy Adventures. Nobody knows what it is. Could be a game, could be a website, could be a kid show, could be anything. Could be toy lines, but uh, they they have trademarked Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures. So we shall see what that is. But it's curious. Also, uh, Funko Pop is uh, releasing a Christmas R two D two Funko Pop, complete with antlers and lights. And yes, what's not gonna put you into the Christmas spirit? Spirit like a. Uh, Beeping, foul-mouthed, our astromech droid of blue and white, who's amazing. And yeah, there you go. If you want if you want a little Christmas deco, do it. Enjoy yourself. In an interview with Metro, Ron Howard actually reiterated that he'd be interested in directing another Star Wars movie. Uh, he did describe the makers of Star Wars projects as creative, an inspired group of movie lovers. And this actually comes from, of course, his daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, who is directing one of the episodes of The Mandalorian. So she's involved, and that's got him nostalgic for his time directing the solo film. And good for him. I really enjoyed the solo film, even though there were a lot of haters. He really enjoyed himself, and I say give him another shot. Yeah, why not? Ron Howard, I, I enjoy him as a director. I think he's a great director. I actually once talked to him, my buddy Sean, rest in peace, my good friend, podcast about enjoying Ron Howard. So, yeah, yeah, there we go. Ron Howard for Star Wars. 2020 2021 insert year uh we got the confirmation of pedro pascal as the lead of the mandalorian i actually talked about it, i think on another episode as the rumor but i guess it's confirmed now i think but i'm, I'm a little confused because i think they already started like filming it so why this news is coming out now maybe just because he's been in the suit and nobody's seen his face so nobody's known up until now so yeah we'll get pedro pascal as the mandalorian and it's really good casting of the viper as uh, as the Mandalorian, and he sort of sort of matches, you know, the actor who played uh, played Jango Fett, and then uh, you know we would have to presume is the same face as Boba Fett because we all know know the whole entire clone thing. But um, I think I think that's cool. I think that's inspired casting, and uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I just I think that's pretty darn cool, my friends. Do you think it's cool? I think it's cool. I think uh, Pedro. He is a very, very good guy. He, uh, he is guy who will, will do things and uh, have action. And uh, we wonder what their voice will sound like while he's. I don't know. I just wanted to talk like the Ingressions. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. But Tamara Morrison is the actor who does Django Fett, and uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think I could see uh, Pedro Pascal as being from one Mandalore. Also, the casting news of Deadpool's Gina Carano joining the Mandalorian, also as a character. I've heard a lot of people, pundits, say she's really good at action, but not really good at acting. I don't really have an opinion. Uh, you know, I think I think if uh, Lucasfilm has faith in her, then then we shall see what, what she brings to the part and what she brings. Who knows? Is she going to be another Mandalorian? Or uh, are they just going to use her voice and do a CGI character? Or or what? You know, we'll we'll see. She's, you know, an older actor. Although I shouldn't say that because she's only two years younger than me. So, but yeah, you know, American Gladiator is almost human. Fight girls. She's she's definitely a fighter. But she was in the Deadpool movie, and uh, yeah, we shall see. I I enjoyed her in the Deadpool movie. So why not? 
why not? She definitely brings a certain physicality to roles. Uh, we got latest, latest episode nine news is that uh, Luke's blue lightsaber may be broken beyond repair in uh, the movie. Who cares? It, it got oh, spoilers, I guess, broken in uh, The Last Jedi. And uh, we, we all want Rhea, hey, if she gets the lightsaber to have her own thing, I really ha- really want it to be incorporated into that staff that she has, that all the little girls, including my my youngest daughter, are really into. So we'll see. I think that'd be really badass if it was in her staff. And uh, why not give her a green lightsaber? I want to see more igniting of the green. Uh, Simon Pegg talked about uh, Star Wars again. Uh, the latest is he's just saying that he misses George Lucas's influence on Star Wars, and we... We can all conjecture what that means. Him not liking the new movies. That's weird since he was in The Force Awakens. And presumably Unkar Plutt could be in more in more movies. So who knows? Of course Simon Pegg is infamous for bashing on the prequels. But those are George Lucas movies. But then with everything that went down with, uh, with uh, Rose Byrne regarding... Or not Rose... Oh, man, I'm totally... It's, it's late at night so I'm messing up everything. But uh, with uh, oh, man, now I'm gonna have to look this up. But you know, when um, when Rose uh, Kelly Marie Tran, yeah, and it's before I actually successfully typed it in. When all this stuff happened for Kelly Marie Tran, and then the stuff with Ahmed Best, where he came out and said he thought about killing himself. You know, uh, Simon Pegg saying they're just movies. So who knows? Who knows? It could also be being misquoted. We did, uh, there were some articles regarding Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord, and that she's really, really excited to be shooting Star Wars. She shot for three weeks, and uh, all of her excitement, check it out. It definitely makes episode nine sound like it's going to be worth the wait, and it's going to be amazing. And all the actors have been really excited about the movie, including Oscar Isaac, who, uh, in an interview with the Daily Beast, said that. Uh, once again, the film has a looseness and an energy that is very much in keeping with Fisher's fun-loving spirit. He said, though she wasn't physically present, her presence was very much felt. And then he continued that the story is going to deal with the loss of Carrie Fisher quite a bit. He said, quote, it's a strange thing to be on the set. And he was speaking of Leia and having Carrie not be around. There's definitely some pain in that. But he added, it deals with the amazing character that Carrie created in a really beautiful way. So we shall see how they honor it. Using footage, the unused footage from Force Awakens and from The Last Jedi and uh, hopefully they'll do a really good job. What else? Oh, the news that I really wanted to talk about. <laughs> Insert please Wookiee noise here. And it's just, uh, I missed this. It was it was a week ago, but we had the 40th anniversary of the Star Wars holiday special. Yes, my friends, November 17th was the anniversary of this much maligned gem of a mess that debuted way back in 1978 when I was not even a glimmer in the eye of my Wookiee mom and dad. Uh, Then immediately filed away into a vault next to the Ark of the Covenant by George Lucas. This has not kept people from enjoying the hell out of this dare I say cult classic, but this maybe just wonderful, not so great collection of vignettes that revolves around Chewbacca getting home to his family for life day includes his creeptastic father Itchy, his apron wearing wife Mala, and his adorable and funny son, or funny looking I should say. <laughs> you're not funny, you're funny looking, but his son Lumpawaru or Lumpy. If you've never seen the Star Wars Holiday Special, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but you gotta. It was a 40-year anniversary, and check it out. You got Chef Gormanda. You've got a Boba Fett cartoon. B. Arthur is the night bartender of Chalmers Cantina named Akmena, 
lots of Wookiees, some Wookiees and onesies, lots of sheer look without subtitles. And this is just one of those things that I like to watch if I get the chance every holiday season, if I can find it. I have it somewhere on a thumb drive or a, a flash disk where I could watch it. Uh, yes, this news does make Life Day technically coincide with Turkey Day. So, uh, like the turkeys told the pilgrims, because, you know, turkeys don't talk. <laughs> but, you know, you can celebrate Life Day around Christmas time. You can make Life Day whatever holiday you want. I guess technically it's close to Thanksgiving. Uh, that contentious holiday that may not be about brotherhood between pilgrims or Indians or I think it's a Simpsons episode or maybe it was King of the Hill where a Native American was asked if they celebrate Thanksgiving and they say we did once. But uh, yeah, Life Day you can celebrate much more does not have that huge contentious history. And uh, yeah, check out the Star Wars holiday special if you can. I still hold out hope that we'll get it in a good format release, but George Lucas never wanted that to happen, so unless the mouse, the House of Mouse, decides that that's a thing, you know, we'll just have to wait. Uh, we'll get into more geek news, flavor of the geek, all the geeky flavors. I guess we could start this with just uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet non-spoiler review. So I did, I went to go see Wreck-It Ralph this weekend, took uh, my beautiful Heather and our son, and uh, we were really excited to take the boy. He really wanted to go see it, and... Uh, Oh, he was he was not the biggest fan. He actually left the movie. He, uh, he found it scary. And I guess I could understand. I mean, he's still little. He's like four. But, oh, yeah. Wow. I'm, I don't want to spoil anything. But I'll be honest. I feel meh. And when I, when I left the movie theater and reunited with Heather, I was like, wow, maybe the internet does run everything, says the guy who's, who's recording a podcast right now that he's going to post on the internet. Ugh, irony intended, I suppose. But yeah, Wrecky Ralph 2 was not good. It was, uh, oh, they, I mean, I get the premise, but, uh, well, I didn't think the emoji movie was any good. So they, they sort of already did the internet thing. And I guess I think the, the magic of the first movie was all the little Easter eggs of the old uh, video games playing as a kid. And while there is a little bit of that, this is more like internet and meme Easter eggs. And I just, I, I didn't really care, to be honest, my friends. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the heart of the story for, uh, for, uh, uh, <laughs> for Ralph and Vanellope Von Sweet uh, was sort of lost in translation. Um, they, they do have an entire premise of why they go to the internet and then uh, somehow that premise gets lost, gets lost in the movie. Does it, doesn't, actually, I don't even know that it, it matters by the end of it. Uh, there, there, I mean, of course people learn lessons in it and then there's an entire land, which is, it's basically like a PG version of like Grand Theft Auto and I'm not even kidding. And, uh, that just seemed a little off for me. I, maybe I need to see, I just don't feel like I laughed as much while I was watching it. And then there were just characters that I don't even really, I mean, right now some of those characters are in my Disney kingdoms game that I play and I'm just like, eh, I don't really care about earning them. Like I want to get fix it, Felix, you know? And uh, Jane Lynch's character, I can't think of the name right now, and Ralph and and Vanellope Von Sweet, you know, I want to get those characters, but I don't really care about the characters that were that were in the new movie, which isn't so great. Uh, the you if you saw the trailer for it, there's moments with the Disney princesses. It's not a spoiler; it was in the trailer, which are great and much much more. They're lovely every time. The entire Disneyland was really fun. Of course, that's when Heather and and the boy left. So I was like, man, you're missing like the best part of the movie. 
Uh, and there, I mean, there's there's little things. I don't know. If you enjoy memes and videos, maybe you'll like it more than me. I know people enjoyed this movie. I just sort of was like, man, it was okay. It was definitely not as good as the first one. And I think I was really hyped for it to be better. I guess I wanted it to be Toy Story 2, and it was not. Uh, it, it's an enjoyable movie. Take your kids. It made all the money, you know. But uh, just non-spoiler, I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay, and I, I don't want to spoil anything else, so there you go. Wookiee's review of uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. It was okay, I guess, if you like the internet. <laughs> sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, but news, it is really, really exciting. We got Julie Andrews to voice. This is news I learned today. So this is the most breaking of everything that's on here. To voice a character in the Aquaman movie, she's going to be playing the Carathen, which is some sort of undersea mythical creature, which is going to play an important role in Arthur's journey in the movie. Uh, apparently holds the key to uniting the Atlantean and surface worlds. Chosen because the producers wanted a classic voice of a British actress, and she was free. And uh, heck yeah, for the old school Mary Poppins going up against the new Mary Poppins. Uh, when the king of the oceans goes up against the magical nanny and her spoonful of whoop ass, yes, it is the battle of the Mary Poppins. And somewhere, somewhere, James Gunn is like, I had a Mary Poppins once in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all, and uh, yeah. So uh, of course, um, Julie Andrews declined to do a cameo in the the Mary Poppins Returns movie because she didn't want to do anything that took away from Emily Blunt as a character, and that makes complete sense. But there's just some irony. And her uh, doing a character in a movie that's going to be competing again it against it. We got a new trailer release for Sci-Fi's Deadly Class. This uh, show's going to premiere J January sixteenth on Sci-Fi. Check out the trailer for some nineteen eighties era punk rock assassin school goodness in the world of the Reagan presidency. Also cool if you are a big Wong fan from Doctor Strange. Just saying, Benedict Wong, the actual actor, the actor who plays Wong, his last name is Wong, which is. Right. It's not Wong. <laughs> but that's bad. And just turn it off now, Wookie. But uh, what else? Game of Thrones. There's a prequel set 8,000 years in the past, set in the age of Bran the Builder, providing origins for the White Walkers. Uh, it has been ordered to pilot. Uh, it's going to tease Easter mysteries and the first Starks. The pilot for the prequel is uh, one of five prequels that is in development. They're still developing five in some sort of development. Uh, this is from screenwriter Jane Goldman, who wrote Kingsman the Golden Circle and X-Men First Class. And uh, I'm sorry if you're a Targaryen dragon lover. Trust me, I am one as well. But this is set a little bit too early for all that. This is going to be Bronze Age Westeros and could be fun with the Children of the Forest and White Walkers and the First Men. The first men who were mentioned in the Game of Thrones mythology. Um, Game of Thrones also shared a recap video that announced their April 2019 release of the eighth and final season. Nothing new. Just a real quick minute showing shots from, from the previous seven seasons. So uh, there you go. We got a trailer in the Detective Pikachu trailer. I... I think I've made it clear on the podcast, or at least I have my friends. I'm not a huge Pokemon person. I'm old enough that it missed me. By the time it was cool, I was just too old. But, uh, yeah, the, the trailer looks fun. It, but the voice of Detective Pikachu is Ryan Reynolds. So you get uh, Deadpool. So it looks... Uh, somebody said it was going to be the Roger Rabbit of this generation. I think it was my buddy Nick. I don't know that I agree with that per se. But uh, it, it looked fun. I mean, if you're if you're a big fan of, of Pikachu and uh, 
Oh, I don't know the names of the other ones. What, a Squirtle and a Charizard and all that. If you're a big fan of the Pokemon, it's all in there. It is uh, the combination of CGI and live action, so you could think Smurfs, if you will. Although it's not going to be the Smurfs movie. Although I really sort of enjoyed that first Smurfs, Smurfs movie with Hank Azaria's Gargamel. But anywho, yeah, I mean, it looks fun. Check out the trailer. It, it looks cool. You know, I don't I don't have a vested interest. Maybe we'll ask Blue at some point what he thinks. Uh, there was a poster release for Child's Play, which is the remake that's coming out July 21st, 2019. That's the release date that was on the poster, and it just shows... Basically, the box for the Chucky doll. But what I do find interesting is on the same day, July 21st, 2019, besides uh, the movie about the toy who wants to kill you, uh, we got a teaser trailer for uh, Toy Story 4, which uh, which uh, is is coming out the same time. So you're going to get the toys that kill you and the, the toys that kill your heartstrings and make you sad. Uh, what's, not, what's not to like about hippie circles and a, a spork with googly eyes that doesn't think he's a toy? And there was another teaser trailer. I actually saw both of them were before the Wreck-It Ralph movie uh, of Bunny and Ducky, which is uh, Key and Peele. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it's funny. It's really good. Uh, definitely check out Ducky and Bunny trailer for Toy Story 4. It's the funniest of the two, but both are good. And heck yeah. Heck yeah for Toy Story 4 in July of next year. I'll probably be going to see Toy Story 4. Won't be seeing Child's Play. That's actually a movie that sort of scarred me when I was younger. I remember my friend Peter watching it. We went, spent the night, and he really wanted to watch it. And I, I stayed in his room, and I went to sleep. I didn't watch it because I didn't like scary movies. And to this day, I still I sort of refrain from most scary movies. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong has begun filming. If you're interested, you can find a synopsis and full cast list online. Uh, yeah, I was not, not interested. Uh, I, I think I, I made it pretty obvious that I didn't even like the Godzilla King of Monsters trailer. A lot of people did. I wasn't one of them. So uh, I, I'll probably go see Godzilla vs. Kong maybe, but who, who knows? Money's becoming more finite, so is free time. So, yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, I'm interested. I just, uh, I don't know. I guess maybe, maybe grad school's just sucking my will to live. I'm just like, okay, whatever. There also there was talk about an Alien Covenant sequel uh, that might see the return of the engineers uh, if the movie's made. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if there actually is going to be a... Another alien movie. I'm sure James Cameron wants to to make uh, to make the movie. I guess I don't. I don't know. You know the the alien. I actually I sort of liked uh, Prometheus. I did. A lot of people didn't like it, but I enjoyed it. I thought that was actually a good movie. I remember uh, my daughter's uncle Manny was like, "Hey, watch this uh, Prometheus movie," and he bought it for me when I lived in North Carolina, and I watched it. And I thought it was cool. I think just a lot of people really wanted more of an Alien prequel, which it really wasn't, which made it sort of nice. Uh, but, you know, and then Alien Covenant, I saw that with Heather. Sorry, not James Cabern, Ridley Scott. I don't even know what I'm thinking. Like I said, it's late. It's almost it's almost midnight. Yeah, there's definitely going out Tuesday morning early. But <laughs> I'm, I'm doing laundry, so that's why I'm even getting a chance to record. Came home from school. 10:30 at night and then did laundry and recorded for you guys you're welcome <laughs> no i'm not looking for sympathy just wanted to make sure i get episode out and i i liked getting the episodes out every week good news is i'm actually recording with danny tomorrow or the next day i think it's tomorrow and uh or today because it's almost midnight and there'll be an episode up earlier i have no idea what we're going to talk about but <laughs> we'll talk about something i suppose uh and then we'll get the episode up um what else oh man the they're the dumbo trailer Oh, I put it up on Laugh It Up Fuzzballs, and man, I love that Dumbo movie. I've got memories of it with my with my Wookiee Mama, and uh, man, that, that just looks good. Tim, 
Tim, I wanted to say Tim Robbins because I just listened to a podcast about the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, Tim Burton, man, it doesn't look like a Tim Burton movie, but it, at moments in the trailer it does, and it just looks great. And it looks like they added some elements to it, and it, it just, it looks really, really fun. Um, what other geeky news? There was a official look of uh, Superman and Lois Lane for the DCW, which just sort of looks cool. So, you know, if, if that's a thing for you, it actually it's just Superman, Lois Lane, it's just, it's just, just an image. So, you know, it's, it's nothing crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it looks cool there. Uh, what else? Uh, Ooh, oh, that's, that's actually something I wanted to talk to Danny about. So maybe we got Venom making a lot of money in China. So it was released in China and it's making all the money. And that's good news. It's it's past seven hundred million dollars worldwide. And me and Blue enjoyed the movie. We were entertained. We also said it was not a good movie, but that, I guess that doesn't matter because it made the money. So you know Sony's gonna make more of these Spider-Manless movies. Uh, we got Disney Japan revealing that Captain Marvel officially set in nineteen ninety five. We already knew it was set in the nineteen nineties. The trailer had blockbuster video in it and a nine inch nails t shirt and flat jackets and total like the Rachel hairstyle from Friends. So yeah, it's in the nineties, so now we have the official date. Nineteen ninety five, when the Wookiee was both a freshman and a sophomore in high school. Yes, I am old. Uh Aquaman, apparently their first day ticket sales hit a twenty four hour record. Uh so it it made lots of money and 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 people you know early early reviews have been that it's good and then there was uh the final trailer that came out which actually was a really good trailer you should check that out it is uh all about the uh battle for the trident i guess would be a way to maybe put it uh is that how i would describe it i don't know it's uh it just looks cool, you know. It's it's all about the power of the trident. There was also a new Lego Movie Two trailer uh, for fending off the new Duplo invaders, and man, that was a really fun trailer. I would say check out the Lego Movie Two trailer. Chris Pratt and all the other voice talent returning. There was also the trailer for Once Upon a Deadpool. I did put that up on Laugh It Up Fuzzballs. Revealed uh, the the hook for how they're doing this PG thirteen version of uh, Deadpool Two, and uh, yeah, that's. That's cool, I suppose. What else do we have here in the the geek newsery? Oh, ABC apparently has uh, renewed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for Season 7. Now, the reason this is interesting is Season 6 hasn't even started yet. So they have that much faith in in the next season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they are already renewing it for a seventh season, which is great. Because I really, really like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and, uh, you know, we don't get season six until summer of next year, summer 2019. So hell yeah. Hell yeah. Really, really good news that that we are going to be getting getting uh, some more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond just season six. We've got a uh, Hulu actually apparently gave a, uh, a pilot order to Sweet Tooth, which is a drama based on characters created for the DC Vertigo comic by Jeff Lemire. So, uh. That is really, really cool. Um, what else? According to Variety, we've got newcomer Ella J. Basco in negotiations to play a young Cassandra Kane in Warner Brothers' Harley Quinn spinoff movie, Birds of Prey. Uh, what else? DC Universe has released a new teaser announcing the premiere date for Young Justice Outsiders, which will be the third season of that show, Young Justice, uh, which is January 4th, 2019. 
There was a poster for the CW upcoming Arrowverse crossover Elseworlds. It is in a comic book style. And definitely, I would say, go ahead and check it out if that sort of thing interests you. It looks really, really cool. And I love when they do those comic booky covers for it. The one for the last crossover was really, really great. And then uh, just Netflix. So if you go onto Netflix into their search engine and type in Excelsior, any type of media that is Marvel related will come up, which is a really, really nice tribute to Stanley. But I guess that's that's all the geek news for now. We'll uh, move into the small screen Star Wars Simpsons sci-fi superhero synopsis. And uh, we got some shows to talk about, actually, like two weeks because we I didn't uh, talk about them last week because of the Stanley uh, Walking Dead season nine, episode six. Uh, oh, I actually did not look up the the title of this episode. These are Danny's reviews continuing. He actually sent me reviews today of uh, episode seven and episode eight. But um, I think I'm just going to save them because Danny's actually going to record with me. So uh, maybe I should not even do like the episode six review. Maybe I should save that. Hmm. Let me see. I don't I don't know. The name of the episode is Who Are You Now? Who am I now? Am I the guy that uh, that that talks about this episode without Danny or do I make Danny talk about it? Talk about it. You know, we're going to wait. Danny's recording tomorrow. So we're going to wait. We're going to have uh, Danny's review tomorrow. So we're going to move on to The Gifted Season 2. Sorry to waste your time with that. But Season 2, Episode 7, No Mercy. And the show about mutant teams that are not the X-Men. Set in a world where humans hate muties. And they're forced to live underground. Sometimes, literally, it just continues to be awesome. We get flashback action for the villainous Reva. But the lump sum of this episode is the Hellfire Club slash Inner Circle taking it to Creed Financial, an organization which has profited from the blood of mutants. It's really awesome. Gives action for Polaris, Andy, uh, Andy Strucker, that is, the Frost Sister Cuckoos, the Re- and that character Rebecca, who's crazy, and can turn stuff inside out. Uh, let's just say that the... That, uh, uh, how do I, how do I even say it? Just, uh, you know, well, the girl Rebecca, she she just brings some new danger to this team of bad guys. I admit, I was rooting for the team of bad guys while they were doing stuff, but ugh, she makes it hard to root for them. And then there's a hierarchy of moral goodness here. And for a show that I heard has no comic fans in its writer's room, it really is sort of amazing that they, they do the mutant awesomeness uh, that fans of the X-Men would like because the show's really, really good. Also drama for Blink and Thunderbird in reference to the Morlocks, plus Reed Strucker dealing with implications of uh, his new destructive powers. The latter includes some really sweet stuff for him and his wife, Caitlin. The whole Jace Turner and the Purifier stuff continues with a new twist, and it was a really good episode. And the ending is definitely an oh crap deal, which I'm curious to see play out, especially considering the new depth which has been given to Reva as the leader of the Inner Circle. Just it was really fun. Woo to the who flash season five episode five all dolled up and heck yeah for flash and i gotta say the way they brought ragdoll into the show as a bad guy was really creepy offered a radical horror vibe to parts of the episode the character was played by a real contortionist so there's some great body imagery to get your hackles up even better iris really got to shine in this episode while they let her be badass also work through the issues with their daughter from the future ralph gets to go full elongated man in a scene straight from sam raimi spider-man team flash also finds a great way to get satellites to get back on the grid and uh cisco does what he does and names them after classic sci-fi computers 
And I don't want to spoil the names of the satellites more any more than I want to spoil any more of this episode. It's really dang good, and you really need to be watching this season of The Flash. Uh, the next episode, episode six, The Icicle Cometh, takes a big swing at the entire Caitlin Snow is looking for her dad, finds a way to delightfully connect it all to her missing Ice Queen side that is just really heartfelt, fun to watch, and just overall really dang good. Well, the previous episode found a way to do the villain of the week awesomely. This one was not as good, but bonus points for leaving a new thread out there somewhere, and anytime they're going to name drop Victor Freeze, I'm going to be excited. Also, I just, I've enjoyed the whole Caitlin and Cisco stuff. I was invested in this side of the story. Um, which has been teased through the last few episodes, so I was I was in for them and for them giving more information and sort of letting this uh, sort of go. And anytime they're going to talk about Caitlin and Killer Frost, I'm in. There was also some Ralph Div- Dibney and Cecile detective stuff as they search for the identity of Cicada. Um, but the season has played it pretty light so far with this villain. Uh, but based on this episode, maybe they're going to go more into that. I'm hoping that soon we will get. Much more Cicada. It looks like we might be headed that way. But overall, I like this episode. Uh, but yes, I am a huge fan of the show. And no, I'm not just saying that since I'm literally a really big guy. But Flash is fun. And enough said. I really enjoy it. Black Lightning Season 2, Episode 5, The Book of Blood, Chapter 1, Requiem. So we're in a new book, new chapter. And this episode literally kicks off with a bang with the Eastern Euro criminals that have been dealt with earlier now after Gamby and the results of this encounter drive the drama for the rest of the episode. Nessa tries to get back with her ex, Grace. Jennifer gets closer to Khalil, who we should not forget is a bad guy technically. And speaking of baddies, Tobias Will stays awesome and scary as usual as he enmeshes himself in politics. Also, mystery people appear in the Freeland Clinic to add mystery for Anissa, which leads to a cliffhanger, which goes in the next episode. The strength of this episode is all the emotion by different characters, especially Cress Williams playing Jefferson Pierce. Man, it's just some really dang good acting. Episode 6, The Book of Blood, Chapter 2. Alas, this episode didn't do much for me. The whole race issue is now taken into the hills with two warring factions, super-powered whiteys with a powered lady of privilege, and then African-Americans who live like a richer version of sharecroppers. They hate each other, of course, and now Anissa's in the middle, courtesy of a star-crossed couple that she encountered at the Freeland Clinic, and two twin babies. Man, this this just wasn't for me. It gets too far away from where the action should be with Tobias and the 100. There's a great fight for Khalil and the latter, struggling with the sort of person he's becoming, and then a certain job to kill the great to listen new preacher of Freeland. There's also some big emotion regarding what happened with Lynn and the Pod Kids in the previous episode, and then a big fight for Black Lightning, Thunder, the Purdy, and the Sang. I get that the show is world building by adding South Freeland and these this backwoods characters. I get the whole deal, but it, it just didn't hit the mark for me i'm totally gonna keep watching but now now we know the fate of gamby and uh i want more gang fights not hellbillies i suppose i mean oh well it's to be continued i'm gonna keep watching and this show definitely has goodness for anyone shipping jennifer and khalil and uh their stuff was really the highlight of this episode for me but uh black lightning is fun it just i mean maybe this is just a lull in the middle of the season uh, Arrow Season 7, Episode 5, The Demon. The entire Ollie at Level 2 deal is dealt with, including the return of an interesting baddie from the past related to Rosh Al Ghul. I'm glad they wrapped up the whole crazy psychiatrist mind-controlling inmates deal. It was super cool, but I did not need them to cover it in any more than just two episodes. Also rad to see Felicity and Laurel working together. 
plus much, much more for Diggle and Mr. Terrific and Argus. There's lots of different threads that are slowly connected in relation to Diaz and his plans to hurt Ollie. Also great fights in prison and me being refreshed at the show, willing to let a strong-ass man and a badass lady go toe-to-toe. Yowza for Master and Apprentices vibes, connections to previous seasons, and it was it was good. It was enjoyable. The next episode, episode six, do process the members of Team Arrow find their different missions and plans much more interconnected than they thought, and hooray for the return of Anatoly. Ollie is back in Gen Pop, and instead of working towards his mission to stop Diaz from the inside, he's helping the little stooly sidekick character that they introduced, who you were sure was not what he seemed, and then you discover, of course, you were right, because sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't, even if it's good writing, you can get things. Uh, Laurel shows more compassion as a Star City DA, which is really cool in the character growth department. Diaz proves he can still be a big bad worth contending against. Felicity also has grown and being radical at points in her mission to take down Diaz and save her husband. The Flash Forwards also return in this episode with the trail being followed by William Roy Dinah and Renee's daughter that I actually can't forget her. can't remember her name. Um, my favorite moments in this episode are Laurel and Ollie's two moments during prison visitation that have two markedly different outcomes. Long and short is soon we may see Ollie out of jail, but hopefully not before he figures out the whole stooly stuff. Legends of Tomorrow Season 4, Episode 4, Wet Hot American Bummer, which is an amazing title for an episode. Woo! We're off to summer camp in the 1990s, full of great references for Wookiees like me, and then there's Pinky Swears, and in the Magical Monster Department, it's initially a swamp thing with four A's that's not connected to John Constantine's partner in the Justice League Dark, Alec Holland. Of course, uh, the swamp thing is not what is not doesn't end up being what you think it's going to be and uh then you have characters you know get their camp counselors and then they're dealing with preteen kids in great ways while also discovering their own inner child literally and then beating a magical monster because that's what they do constantine shines in this episode and not just because he stands tie and trench coat at one point but also because he bonds with ray palmer and uh he's he's a great character to be added to this team it's cramp crystal awesomeness here plus a little bit of a b-plot for the previous episode shapeshifter named charlie who currently looks like maya and bonds with bad boy mick really good stuff that is fun and ends well with no children being harmed and then leads to the next episode episode five tagumo attacks exclamation mark and hell yes we're now in giant kaiju territory in Japan circa 1951. Even better, Charlie is temporarily on the team, plus the writers find an interesting way to go back to the Ray and Nora dark stuff that includes great jokes at a run fair. We meet legendary Godzilla director Ishiro Honda, and then there's a whole Thanksgiving side plot that includes Nate, Ava, Gary, and a few more magical monsters, including Baba Yaga. Well, overall, this was a fun episode. Uh, because let's face it, the show has to be fun. It's legends. It's amazing. But there, there was a lot of stuff all crammed together, and I, I sort of wish they'd concentrated on just one or two plots. I, I'm not sure I really like Nate Haywood being with the Time Bureau and not buddied up with Ray on the Wave Rider like he should be. But bonus points to the writers, referring back to Mick's hidden talents as a writer, and boy does it pay off with a character that uh, may make several fanboys nostalgic for Total Recall. Like I said, overall. This is all fun, and what's not to love about a giant octopus threatening Tokyo and maybe being the inspiration for Godzilla movies? Also, somehow the show finds a moment amongst all this other stuff to talk about Hiroshima, which is crazy considering everything going on this episode. Yay, legends. This particular episode was not the best of the season, but it was still pretty dang good. 
Moving on to Supergirl, episode, or season four, episode four, Ahimsa. And I finally got to catch up on Supergirl with Heather, and I cannot complain about getting to watch three episodes of this great show with the woman I love. Kara may be out of commission, courtesy of kryptonite lace throughout Earth's atmosphere, but she really gets a rad super suit, and the resulting concentration on other characters like John Jones gives us a new character in comic antihero Manchester Black that is awesomely played by a black British actor. And yes, that's the proper term that I learned one time when me and Heather went to an episode of Hollywood Babylon. In America, it's African-American. In England, it's black British. Anywho, yay for Mr. Manchester Black and yay for them dealing with what happened to John's therapy pal Fiona, which happens to be Manchester's lady friend. There's mind-controlled aliens, including a Helgramite and Supergirl fighting in her L-Corp suit, which may or may not protect her. Then the Graves twins and Guardian jumping into the fray, all taking place at a boardwalk carnival. Then result is a new path for Martian Manhunter, Manchester Black seemingly going away from the hero route, new military officer to oversee Alex's DEO, and just plain fun Supergirl goodness that conveniently finds a way to negate the whole previously mentioned kryptonite stuff in a fun way. Episode 5, Parasite Lost. And if you're a fan of the show, you will remember Parasite from Season 2, and the writers found a way to use him in this whole Agent of Liberty arc beyond the last episode's mind control stuff. They also introduced new aliens, including an old healer with a past that includes both humans and non-humans. It's all a good time with lots of action, and finds a way to keep going with the Agent of the DEO is turned to the... Maybe turning to the xenophobic liberty side also gives much more Professor Lockwood, who creepily wears his wrought iron mask when in his lair, but is willing to show his face in public. Speaking of that, the episode provides much more for James Olsen, whose guardian persona has been embraced by the anti-alien Sons of Liberty. Highlight of this show for me was seeing Kara save a bunch of folks in a really great sequence. Uh, I just like seeing her fly and save people. What can I say? Also neat for Kara to get more time doing reporter work here. The new DEO overseer, Colonel Haley, surprisingly works semi-well with Alex, but but adds a counterpoint that she has to contend against in the DEO, and uh, we know their their playing nice isn't going to last for long. I'm still, I think I'm just still stoked that all these episodes lead to Detective John Jones, Detective Martian Manhunter. I like that. Episode 6, Call to Action, a Thanksgiving episode which sees James going deeper into the underworld of the xenophobic Sons of Liberty world. Also gives us more of the great anti-hero Manchester Black, also a freaking dragon, and more for Professor Lockwood who is gaining notoriety for all his anti-alien views which are shared by way too many people in National City's populace, including that colonel I was talking about who's currently commanding Alex and the other DEO agents. Brainy is lonely as usual and a funny drunken scene and then defeats baddies with physics. It's great. Also a lovely movement where his quote unquote loving mom is mentioned and he reminds geeks of his heritage as a descendant of Brainiac. Also just love his attempts to be human, which are always lovely and awkward. And then there's whatever's going on between him and Nia and the owl. Well, I miss when Brainy really is great on the show. Uh, the xenophobic, anti-alien, awful people get most of the love here. Supergirl and friends work against opinion and mob violence versus, you know, when they're fighting the usual big bad in other seasons. Manchester Black is also just lovely here, and I cannot wait for more from him and uh, the conflicts that are certain to be caused based off his methods. Also, more mystery for sleepy, sleepy Nia Nial, who I hope at some point is going to be shown with her powers, which probably involve sleep, I'm guessing, uh, especially because I think she's uh, related to the superhero Dreamer. Long and short, domestic terrorists and Lena Luther Mad Science, plus Harry Potter references. And now that I think about it, I may have mixed up Brainy. He may have gotten drunk in the previous episode, but oh well. Supergirl is a bright light of a show. 
but willing sometimes to go into darker waters and uh, discuss the complicated history of Thanksgiving. That happens in this episode too the end moving on to the simpsons season 30 episode 6 from russia without love so the simpsons decided it was time to make jokes about the dark net and i guess since rocket ralph 2 did that as well i i, I guess it's okay uh but you know it has all to prank mo especially considering he finally got a victory on bart's classic phone prank at the bar all deals with sad lonely mo and ultimately just makes me really feel bad for him not laughing throughout the episode i guess everyone this season or every one of the episodes could not be great i've, I've enjoyed most of the episodes though uh, the the dawn of beer opening was fun i liked seeing moments for one-armed herman and duffman who apparently does weddings and beer mitzvahs in a duff cummerbund uh, i think what i dislike most is the writers not taking aim at russia with the mail order bride stuff and just concentrating on ugly mo i would have liked to have seen some satire of of russia especially everything in the current political climate but you know bummer not a complete loss though since i really really did enjoy episode seven working mom Marge, you gotta work it, and woo for lots of Julio and the assorted gays of Springfield, plus Marge fabulously selling tub- Tupperware and a cameo by Her Highness herself, the one and only RuPaul, in an episode this humor, Tupperware, Dragaliciousness, Homer and Marge arguments and love and a bunch more. Also a B-plot involving Lisa bringing joy to Springfield, a la French cinema, complete with the narrator, like a lot of those films. Uh, her story includes Jasper and Gil, both Van Houten parents, and Seymour Skinner and his mom. Think Amelie when I'm saying like French film. Sort of like that, that movie Amelie. All the good women in Springfield are either married or Homer, and this episode was just tons of fun and delightfully Marge-centric. Plus, did you hear me say RuPaul? Really cool. Bonus, you get Waylon Smithers and Sideshow Mel and Drag and a very funny joke about the latter's bone. Overall, really sweet episode that deals with issues which could have been bad, but, but but they found a nice way to do it and then give sweet endings to everyone involved while providing soft and genuine laughs. And hooray. I really, really enjoyed this episode of The Simpsons. Episode 7, Working Mom. Good stuff. Moving on to Star Wars Resistance, Episode 8, Sonara Score. So Resistance wastes no time providing stuff for Sonara, uh, who was rescued in the last episode. And this episode is basically one big space pirate battle on the Colossus as Jaeger, Kaz, Tam, and the others try, try to keep the Colossus safe in the absence of its aces. Yes, we know Sonara is not what she seems to others, but it all provides some interesting connection for her and Jaeger's peeps, plus more backstory for Tam. Bunch of fighting against various pirates. My pleased Wookiee noises are for the Trandoshan. This all seemed to be about quickly making friendships for Sonara, Tam, and a smitten Kaz, but also pushing the plot's hand in connection to Doza and the First Order. It's a chaotic and fun mess of an episode, which is elements that made me think of both uh, some adventures for Han Solo, not the Solo movie, but like adventures for Han Solo, and even like some Indian, Indiana Jones vibes. Was not a bad episode. Certainly not the best of the season, but I really enjoyed the heck out of it. And having 22 minutes of Star Wars every week of my life is always a plus for me. I really enjoy the animation style, and I, I still think the show is places it can go, and time will tell, and I dig it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's all the, the television that I've watched uh, in the last couple weeks. And uh, what what else to, what else to say? Man, I think... I think that actually is going to wrap up this edition of Laughing Up Fuzzballs. 
Sorry that it's coming out Tuesday morning. I meant to get it out Monday night, but laundry and whatnot. But there was the bonus episode last week, and uh, probably this Friday will be when I post the episode for me and Danny. So we'll, we'll be all caught up, and everything will be fine. All will be well, and all will be well. And my laundry's probably dry by now, so because it's a 45-minute uh, cycle, and uh, I've been talking for over 51 minutes. So <laughs> there we go. That's math, friends. You're welcome. Math from the Wookiee. So uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for discovering uh, Asshat, Army Hammer, and Bill Maher. Thanks for uh, thanks for just being here, and uh, look forward to whatever the heck me and Danny end up talking about. I'm sure there'll be some news to discuss, and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, you know the drill. LaughItUpFuzzball.net is the website. You can comment on there. Laugh it up Fuzzballs, the Facebook group. You can comment there. There is a Laugh It Up Fuzzball Facebook page, but it, it just redirects. It has a, a, a post at the top just saying to go to the group page where we talk about all the geeky stuff. Thanks to everybody who's been posting all the geeky stuff on there. I really appreciate it. I really do. 495 people or something. It was a, over 500, but add your friends. Let's get over 500 again. That'd be fun. Uh, Laugh It Up Fuzzball podcast at gmail.com. That's where Danny actually sends me his Walking Dead reviews. And uh, stay tuned. Maybe tomorrow when we, I'll maybe I'll read his Walking Dead reviews while he laughs at me or says that's not what he sounds like. Or maybe I'll make him read it. I don't know. We'll see. I actually have a surprise in store talking to him about some Walking Dead. Uh, what else? Um, yeah. Uh, at Wookie Riot on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that covers everything. Thanks, my friends, for stopping by. Thanks for being classy and all that good stuff. Just thank you for being a listener. Yeah, you amazing listener. And, uh, you know, there's there's so much good stuff in the world. But uh, as J.R. Tolkien once said in the written Lord of the Rings, which is better than the movies. Sorry, don't at me, friends. The road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road is gone, and I must follow if I can. Pursuing it with eager feet, big old hob, furry hobber feet. That's not what he said, that's what I added. But until it joins some larger way where many passengers meet, and whether then I cannot say, and Thank you for being a listener. <laughs> I don't know, big old Harry Hobbit feet. Oh, some Lord of the Rings fans going to be mad. <laughs> going to be mad and it's going to be human sacrifice and dogs and cats living together and mass hysteria. Basically all the worst parts of the Bible. All right, friends. Thank you so much for stopping by and being you. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. And uh, Wookie's going to sign off like he always does with the good old TTFN. Wookie out.